0: if they want to meet their teachers, uh, back in the the foyer area there. Dr. Jesse's back there and is gonna take them away. Don't forget to go pick them up. Dr. Jesse loves children, but he wants you to take them home. We've been in a series for the last several weeks that I've called Put Away the Toys. It's a series about growing up in, in our faith, maturing. The Apostle Paul tells us, when I became a man, I put away childish things. In essence, what the Apostle Paul is saying is by putting away childish things, I became a man. Too many people are going to church and wanting to become spiritually mature but aren't putting away childish things. You are not going to become a man, a mature believer in Christ, until you start putting away childish things and start doing adult things. Okay, that's the truth of the scripture. Jesus already did everything we need for victory, but we have to apply that victory to our daily lives. We have got to fight against our negative thoughts, our negative emotions. We have to declare what is true and avoid and push away what is false. It is a battle. It is a war. There is nothing in scripture that teaches us that this is a life of ease or comfort. I know we've been lied to for a long time in the American culture that uh, as Mark Batterson said, On Wednesday night, and again this morning, that that our goal as believers is just to arrive safely at death. That's not the goal. The goal is to be all in for the Lord and to give ourselves for Him. So let's stop ranting and raving and being shocked that there's persecution, and let's just start embracing it and preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't preach holiness to sinners. Preach the cross. They have no power to become holy until the cross. Now, if there are people that profess Jesus that are living immoral lives, preach holiness. But if there are unbelievers, until they come to the cross, there's no hope of changing their life. So let's make sure we know who we're talking to and what we need to be preaching to them. The gospel is, by the way, good news. You have no power to change, you are hopelessly lost. Good news, Jesus died to make a new way. So we've been doing this study on a book by Eugene Peterson called Perseverance. It's a book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction because we've been taught that there's a form of, it's a form of insanity to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Let me add to that and say unless what we're doing is the right thing. In other words, if you are praying and fasting and believing for your children to be saved, it's not insanity to do something different because that's what the word tells you to do. So you keep doing it and you keep doing it because Jesus taught his disciples to pray and not give up. So it would be insanity to stop that. You keep doing it until the results that that we've been promised come into being. And that's, that, that's what this series is all about. It's about long obedience in the same direction. As Americans, let's just admit it, we are soft and we are weak. <clears throat> if I have to wait 45 seconds at the drive-thru, that's too much for me. And that's our culture. We have got to just start admitting it and saying, Lord, <clears throat> we are soft, we are weak, we need your help. Because there's a war going on around us and we can't even handle McDonald's screwing up our order. Are you there? So we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent. These are the Psalms that the the Jewish Christians, <clears throat> excuse me, they weren't Christians. The Jewish people would sing in the Old Testament and they followed this, this trek, this ascent to Jerusalem. If you want the backstory, you're gonna to have to go back to one of the last sermons and you can hear that, you can find them on our podcast, you can find them on our website. But we're gonna dive into the Psalm of Ascent. We're going to Psalm 122 today. This is where we are. And we're gonna talk about oddly worship. Our ascending, our discipleship, our going after the Lord is a lot like the ascent the physical ascent that the Jews would take to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where God was. They had to physically ascend there. A lot of things in the Old Testament are metaphoric for things that we do in the New Testament. That's not by accident, that's by design. See, when you're God and you know the end from the beginning, you can do stuff like that and it's really cool. We just call that a coincidence or deja vu. Ain't none of that in the kingdom. God did it on purpose. So the next time you had deja vu, uh, no, you had a Holy Spirit maybe moment, if you will, but uh, I don't believe in deja vu. I don't believe anything happens by accident. I believe everything happens through God's design. I don't believe anything can happen to me apart from his knowledge and will, and he's empowered me to handle everything. Now, I wish that meant I handled it all well, but I don't. But when I don't handle it well, I pray that the, the time between my mishandling and my repentance gets shorter and shorter. And that's the key. So Psalm 122, we've been reading from the message version, message translation, message Bible, whatever you wanna call it. I know there's a lot of feelings on it, but uh, that's what we're reading from. Psalm 122 says, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. And now we're here, oh, Jerusalem, inside Jerusalem's walls. Jerusalem, well-built city, built as a place for worship the city to which the tribes ascend. All God's tribes go up to worship, to give thanks to the name of God. This is what it means to be Israel. Thrones for righteous judgment are set there. Famous David thrones. Pray for Jerusalem's peace. Prosperity to all you Jerusalem lovers. Friendly insiders, get along. Hostile outsiders, keep your distance. For the sake of my family and friends, I say it again, live in peace. For the sake of the house of our God, God, I'll do my very best for you. I mean, I don't know if you can just hear the battle that is just going on right there. Prosperity to all you God worship lovers, I mean Jerusalem is a metaphor for the presence of God, the place of worship. So it's not this sanctuary, it's not this building, it's not any location, it's the worship of our God. And peace to all of you who learn to praise and worship our God. All of you that are uh, hostile outsiders, get away from me. Taking every thought captive and making it obedient to the scripture. I mean, there is a war going on right here in Psalm 122. See, for me, one of the afflictions of being a pastor is that I get to listen with a very straight face to all of the reasons that people give for why they don't attend church. And they are many. People tell me all the time, my parents forced me to go as a kid, so now I don't wanna go. There's too many hypocrites in the church. It's the only day I have to sleep in. And there was a time in my young, naive life where... I thought that the way to win this battle was to point out how those excuses didn't hold water. And so I would try to point out that 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 excuse was flimsy and it really didn't make sense. And I would try to, to show them that so that they would embrace truth. But what I found was it didn't make a difference. For every excuse I would shoot down, three more would pop up in its place. And so now I've learned to just listen with a straight face to all of the reasons why people don't attend church. And then I pray that they would somehow within their spirit man come to the conclusion of why it is we actually come to church. Him. Him. He's why we come. And I can't force that on anyone or argue that on anyone. It's really got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. I I was thinking as we watched uh, Casey's testimony this morning, and she sat there in the pew and uh, didn't even know the sermon, and the Lord moved on her heart. I thought, man, that just takes all the pressure in the world off. I mean, it doesn't even matter what I sit up here and say if the Holy Spirit's at work. That shows us why it's all the more important to be in prayer, Because despite what anyone up here is saying, if we're praying, the Holy Spirit is moving on people's hearts in spite of what's being said up here. Just a sidebar. So, but that doesn't mean I won't study and prepare because I still believe what we do here is important. But anyway, people give you these reasons, but there are many people who decide to go to church. Who choose to worship, who choose not only to come to a building, but actually engage themselves in worship when they get here. Psalm 122 is one of those people. It's the song of someone who's decided to go to church and worship God. Psalm 120 was the psalm of repentance. Psalm 121 was the psalm of trust. Now we're on the third one, Psalm 122, and it's the psalm of worship. Before we get into this Psalm, I gotta pause for just a minute because the word worship is a very complex word. Everything we do in our lives is worship to the Lord. Every act of obedience, in fact, just giving my life to Him is an act of worship. I know that, but for the sake of the conversation today, when I talk about worship, I'm talking about what happens here. I'm talking about the corporate church coming together to praise and exalt the Lord. That's the type of worship that I'm talking about. I know there's more than that. I know this is only a part of worship. I know that this is only a part of what it means to be church. But it's the part we're talking about today. So, these, this may not apply to every definition of worship and every definition of church, but this is one aspect of it, and I want you to know that. The second thing is in the conversation that we're about to have, there are extremes. How many of you know we live in the land of extremes? Yep. We like our coffee very hot, we like our coffee very cold. Not many of us like our coffee very lukewarm. We are an extreme people. In this idea of coming to church, there was this phrase that I heard, used to hear often. Every time the doors are open, we're there. And some of those people were the meanest, grumpiest, no fruit bearing people I've ever met in my life. And so that just became a badge of honor. Every time the doors are open, we're there. I mean, I'm not changing it all, but bless God, I'm sitting in the pew. And it became just a legalistic badge that everyone wore around. And if you didn't come to church, you weren't as spiritual as someone who came every time the doors were open. That was an extreme. Now, as good Americans, what do we do when there's an extreme? (laughs) We swing the pendulum clear to the other side and now we have this extreme. Well, I don't really need to go to church and worship, that's just optional. My relationship with Christ now is completely separate from the church. I can worship God at the lake, I can worship while I'm camping, I can worship at home, I can worship online. And that extreme has lost touch with the head of the body. Both of them are extremes. Somewhere in the middle is where I'm hoping we land. So please don't take my comments and throw them on an extreme. I'm trying so hard not to go to an extreme. I think there's a balance in the middle of this thing that we call worship here together on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or anytime we gather together. So keep that in mind. This psalm tells us right from the get-go that gathering together for worship is a cause for joy. If it isn't, something is wrong, and please, before you look at the worship team, the pastor, the deacons, your spouse, your kids, look in the mirror, look in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit convict in your heart first. If coming to worship the Lord together is not a cause for joy, it is probably not an external problem. It's probably something internal. The psalmist says, when they said, let's go to the house of my God, my heart leaped for joy. Because here's the thing. I don't care who the the speaker is that day. I don't care who the worship leader is today. I don't care what songs are being sung. My God is present and he's there no matter what. And if it's not my favorite song, my favorite song, not on key, off key, wrong speaker, too long, too short, I refuse to not adore him. I refuse. So, in our society, we are what we call a Christian nation, and it's, it's true to an extent as opposed to being a godless, complete godless nation. We are not there. I mean, there are laws in our land, and much of Christian behavior is rooted in our, our law system, and so we have no idea what it would be like if we took away all these laws and all the consequences for murder and lying. I mean, we have no idea how much murder there would be if there were no laws against it. We have no idea how much uh, dishonesty there would be if we took away the laws against it. I mean, there's so much when it's against the law, uh, I can't imagine what it would be like if all the gloves came off. And so, a lot of what we call Christian behavior is is really not volitional, we're not forced to do it. But worship is one of the areas of, of the Christian life that is totally optional. There is no worship that is forced. Everyone worships because they want to with a few minor exceptions. Some children are made to go to church because their parents want them to. But when they're here, they have a choice to worship or not. So they may be in the building, but it's up to them to worship. Some spouses will come along with their their husband or their wife, but again, that's a short-lived and very superficial form of worship. Just showing up in the building is not worship. It's a part of it, But it's not worship. And so most Christian worship is completely voluntary. See, an excellent way to test what uh, people's values are is to observe what they do when they don't have to do something. Think about that for a second. How do you spend your leisure time? That's your value. How do you spend your extra money? Some of you are like, what extra money? How do we worship? See, those things show our value system. This psalm shows us three reasons why we choose to worship. The first one, and this is kind of worded by Eugene Peterson, he says this, worship gives us a workable structure for life. Think of the word framework. Worship becomes the framework of our lives. It really does. The Psalm says, Jerusalem, well-built city, built as a place for worship. The city to which tribes ascend. All of God's tribes go up to worship. That's what Psalm 122 says. Jerusalem, for the Hebrew, was the place of worship. In Jerusalem, everything that God ever said was remembered and it was celebrated. That's kind of what happens when we come here. When you went to Jerusalem, you encountered the reality that God created you, God redeemed you, and God provided for you. When you go to Pizza Hut, you are not confronted with the reality that God created you, redeemed you, and provided for you. When you come here, We try to impact you with the reality God created you, God redeemed you, and God provided for you. That's why we come together to worship. It's the framework of our lives. It reminds us of that framework. See, in Jerusalem, all the scattered fragments of experience for the history of Israel were all put together. All the bits and pieces of truth and feeling and perception were put together in a single whole. It was the reality of their history, their faith. Everything came alive in Jerusalem. It just made sense. The King James Version translates it this way, Jerusalem is a builded city that is compact together. So in other words, the city of Jerusalem was literally an architectural metaphor for what worship is. All the pieces of stone and all the buildings fit together harmoniously in Jerusalem. There's no loose stones, there's no leftover pieces, there's no gaps in the walls, there's no gaps in the towers. Jerusalem was the city that was well built, compactly built, skillfully built, and was at unity with itself. And not only was it a structural metaphor, it was a social metaphor. The psalm again tells us that all of God's tribes ascend to worship in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, in worship, all of the separate tribes came together as a functional whole, as a single, to worship the Lord. No matter what their strengths were, no matter what their culture was like, they all came together to worship the Lord. When we come here for worship, We come from different places, we come from different conditions, but we are after the same things, we're saying the same thing, and we're doing the same thing. We've got different levels of intelligence and different levels of wealth, we've got different backgrounds and different languages and different rivalries and different resentments, but in worship, we gather together in a single whole, and the Bible tells us there's power in that. It talks about the power in unity. It talks about the power that exists when we from different cultures, different opinions, different backgrounds, different ethnicity, different age groups, when we come together as one single unit and declare our adoration of God and our surrender to him, there is power in that. And we are energizing our guy in the video game. A friend of mine put this on Facebook yesterday. It says, so today, Teresa and I went to watch the show Jonah in Branson, Missouri. The most amazing thing happened. After the sound techs announced the show would be delayed due to audio problems, the cast came out to greet the guests. After about 15 minutes or so, the cast began singing some worship songs. In a room full of strangers, the most amazing sound aired. Nobody cared what church or state or even skin color. All that mattered for the next 30 minutes was strangers worshiping together to a wonderful God. I thank God for the incredible time with him and those in the theater. It doesn't just take a sound system or instruments to make beautiful music, just willing hearts. Now, Man, I'm sure the room was electric and goosebumps and none of that matters. What matters is that there was a war taking place over the city of Branson and the prince of peace, the prince of the powers of the air that are on our side got a shot of energy that day. And they didn't know it or see it. It doesn't matter whether you get goosebumps or don't have goosebumps. What matters is if you do what the word says and the word says declare who God is and that energizes our side. And when we start energizing our side on a regular basis, through our prayers, through our fasting, through our obedience, through our praise, when we start using those weapons, you're gonna see relationships restored. You're gonna see corruption come to the surface. You're gonna see your family one to the Lord. You're gonna see your physical healing. This is the good news. This, isn't, this sermon is not to reprimand us that we don't go to church enough. This sermon is not reprimanding us because we don't worship loud enough or strong enough. This sermon is a reminder that the reason we come here is to do battle so that our guy wins. So that what he did on the cross isn't wasted, but it shows up in my daily life. I'm no longer insecure. I'm no longer fear-filled. I'm no longer impatient. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for him. And all of that happens when we engage ourselves with the weapons that he's given to us. Consistent, faithful worship together gives framework to our lives. Week after week, we enter this place compactly built to which the tribes ascend and we get a working definition for our life. The second thing the psalm does is that worship nurtures our need to be in relationship with God. It nurtures. In other words, it causes our relationship with God to grow. That's what worship does, corporate worship. The psalm says that Israel, this this is what it means to be Israel, to give thanks to the name of God. Did you hear that? To give thanks to the name of God. That's what it means to be Israel. Peter says it to us in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You, us, us are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is what it is to be a Christian, to praise and thank God for what he's done and who he is. Otherwise, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a list of rules. It's not a a structure and a program and a service schedule. It's to adore and praise God and thank him for what he's done. That's what it means to be a believer. The scripture commands us to praise God. In fact, the command to praise and worship God runs right through the center of discipleship. When we, in our lives, sin, when we mess up, we find out in a hurry that God doesn't abandon us. But what God does is he enters into the middle of our mess with us and he redeems us. He pulls us out of it, he saves us from it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And the only logical, healthy, good response to that God is to praise him. Maybe you don't realize that you were once in a pit. Maybe you're one of those that you always went to church or you've been a good church going folk for a long time. And you don't, you've lost sight of the fact that he's redeemed you out of your mess That nothing that you have, you deserve or earned in any way, shape, or form. Every part of it is a gift from God. And if that doesn't cause us to praise, I don't know what else will. That's the truth of our lives. But many times, when it comes to worship, I mean, when it comes to praise, I mean, I just don't feel like it. I mean, pastor, you already said that worship is voluntary. I know. I know but that doesn't mean that I always feel like it. I still have a choice when I don't feel like it. The spirit may be willing, but many times the flesh is weak. We think in our society today that it's dishonest if I worship God if I don't feel like it, that would be hypocritical, that would be emotionalism. But the psalmist says I don't care whether you feel like it or not. The Revised Standard Version of this verse says this, that it was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of God. We're not forced to do it, but we're commanded to do it. Do you know that the Bible says with a command, shout to the Lord all the earth? That's a command. Make his praise glorious is a command. And praise is, is vocal or, or shown. It, it's not, I mean, this isn't Praise. This could be worship, but this is not praise. And I wonder what an outsider who walks in this building and sees our glorious praise thinks of our glorious God. Let this place erupt with praise, King Jesus. Hear the name we're lifting high. Oops. Oops. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I, I, I promise I, that's what I used to be. And if you're waiting for a feeling that's gonna get your hands out of your pockets, it's not coming. I mean, if you're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to so fall on you that it just, you just, all of your fears and insecurities are gonna disappear and your hands are gonna go up and you're gonna sing and you're gonna clap and you're gonna do all the things that the Psalms tell us to do, it's not going to happen it's gonna be a choice to, to praise him whether I feel like it or not. See, our feelings are very good liars. If we as Christians only worshiped when we felt like it, there wouldn't be a whole lot of worship that went on. And our feelings are good, and they have a lot of value, but when it comes to matters of faith, our feelings are completely unreliable. The Bible tells us very little about how to feel, It wastes very little time even discussing our feelings because they don't matter in the equation. Feelings come and feelings go. But we live in what one writer calls the age of sensation. And so we don't think there's authenticity to what we're doing if I don't feel something. But here's what the wisdom of God says. Listen, we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. It is not a feeling that is acted out. If it is, That's emotionalism. And the more I worship and praise him, the more I find I love him. The more I find I'm being victorious in my daily life. And it's not just about coming to church and lifting your hands and singing loud. Because if that's all we do, we're not gonna get victory. There's still obedience, there's still prayer, there's still time in the word. It's a going after God. But this hour here ought to spill out over into the rest of our lives. Because I'm guessing that we worship here the way we worship out there. I'm guessing. The third reason is that worship, ooh, I went too far, centers our attention on the judgments, the decisions of God. It centers our attention on the judgment, the decisions of God. The psalm describes it as the thrones of judgment are set in Jerusalem. The biblical word for judgment means this, it's the decisive word by which God straightens things out and puts things right. Thrones of judgment are places where the word of God is announced A throne of judgment is not a word about something to describe it. A word of judgment is a word that does things. In other words, the word of judgment puts love into motion. It applies mercy. It nullifies wrong. It orders goodness. So the judgments of God, when we understand them, when we come into alignment with them and we start declaring them and saying them, that's where worship becomes power, when we worship God, our minds are informed, our memories are refreshed with these judgments of God. And when we're reminded of the judgments of God and we come into agreement with those judgments, victory happens. Does that make sense? Some people say, I know I can stay home and I can worship God all by myself and I, I can just read the Bible and pray, and you could, but the Bible commands us to come together for a couple reasons. One, we, we can become tunnel vision and narrow-minded in our focus and we can walk around with stuff on our face and not be aware of it. And sometimes when we worship together, someone with another gifting other than mine can help me see things in my life that I never would have saw without them. And sometimes it's their bad characteristics. Does that make sense? Sometimes the church people that are grumpy, show me I'm not as patient as I'd like to believe. They show me that, you know, I don't really love anybody. I mean, it's easy to love people that are nice, but it's difficult to love people that are like porcupines. No porcupines attend this church, don't worry. But in the congregation of saints, God takes on a fuller expression Because all of us from different backgrounds and different intelligence and different personalities and makes up, we, with the Holy Spirit, we minister to one another, we speak through the Holy Spirit, we give words and wisdom and all of this happens and we get a fuller expression of who God is that we aren't gonna get just by ourselves. And that's why God says come together. In fact, when we humble ourselves, when we surrender ourselves, that's an act of worship, that's praise, that's power. That's like an, you're energizing our guy, you're shooting arrows, just humbling yourself. I don't want to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my hands. You know what that does? That says, in your face, devil, Jesus is Lord. That's literally what it says. I don't want to do this, but the Bible says do it. Well, that was Old Testament. Well, then why does Paul say, I want men everywhere to lift up hands and pray? Why does he say that? Because the New Testament church realized Old Testament stuff didn't change. If we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, this is a story of the nation of Israel who is surrounded by a physical army with weapons ready to kill them. Real weapons. Swords. They're going to run them through. Arrows. Shooting them. This is no time for a prayer meeting or a worship service. But that's exactly what they call. And not only that, look at this. After the Lord answers and says I'm gonna give you victory and even this time you're not even gonna have to fight. Sometimes in the Old Testament they still had to fight. This time he says you're not even gonna have to fight. Look at this, after consulting the people the king appointed singers. Church, I hope you start to see this. They fought swords with a song. You want your children to come back, start singing. You want your marriage to come back together, start singing. It's not the only thing you're gonna do, trust me. You're gonna have to be obedient each step of the way, but just open your mouth and start saying, God, you are my God, King Jesus, you're the name I'm lifting high. And watch what happens. Look what he did to a physical army. The, The New Testament church caught this. They knew this. I mean, we're, we're trying to find a scripture verse that says, I have to lift my hands in worship. I have to pray. I have to sing. It doesn't say any of that in the New Testament. Keep trying to work out your problems or tap into the weapons he's given you and use them and see what happens in your life. Read the rest of the story. The armies were dead, bodies lying all over the ground. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. (laughs) Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. By the way, that's a command. Sing to the Lord a new song. Meaning, the worship team is not singing. They're just playing stuff. You sing. That's a new song. It's one that doesn't have words. It's from your heart. I can't carry a tune. Don't care. It doesn't say. If you can carry a tune, sing to the Lord a new song. I don't know what to sing. It doesn't say. It just says, sing to the Lord a new song. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. But the Bible says, if you want to win victory in your life, sing to the Lord a new song. Pastor, I don't understand why week after week my marriage is in this shape. I don't understand, Pastor, why my kids are rebelling against me. I don't understand why I can't get financial breakthrough. Have you used all the weapons at your disposal? It's getting very quiet. Either you're getting mad at me or you're getting it. and I'm praying you're getting it. People of Jerusalem... Exalt in your king praise his name with dancing accompanied by tambourine and harp for the Lord delights in his people he crowns the who the humble the humble with victory Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment. What in the world? Those two weapons don't go together. Oh, yes, they do. Because look at this we don't use worldly weapons. We use God's mighty weapons. You don't need a sword to hack up your neighbor. You need to start praising God. Because before you win them to the Lord, you better have done battle in the principalities above them or you're not going to win them. I mean, you may be able to convince them up here and you may be able to get them to say a sinner's prayer just to get rid of you. But if you want to transform people's hearts and lives, you need to start doing battle up here. We use these weapons to fight against our enemy. Ephesians chapter six, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Do you think when Paul wrote put on all of God's armor, he thought I am, I'm gonna list every piece of the armor and there is absolutely no piece of armor that will remain unlisted? Did you think that he envisioned us making uh, little things for children to wear that were like suits of armor so they knew the armor of God? No, put on every single weapon at your disposal. And if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you're gonna find weapons that are there in the scripture that aren't referenced in Ephesians chapter six. I don't know about you, but I want every weapon he's got for me. I mean, he went through a whole lot to get me a victory, I want to use it. Declaring who God is is a weapon. It's praise. Halfway around the world this morning before you even got out of bed, Deb Reed, she's one of our missionaries, she preached a sermon this morning called The Superpower of Praise to Africans on the other side of the world. The superpower of praise. What's the Holy Spirit saying to the world, to the church? Humble yourselves. You surrender to me. That's a weapon. When you humble yourself, you have just overcome evil with good, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13. So when you humble yourself, when you surrender to the Lord, when you do what you don't want to do, you have just disarmed the principalities and powers that are fighting against you. Because God crowns the humble with victory. Corporately coming together is a weapon, it's unity. There are unseen forces. It's time to get our head out of the sand and stop thinking that what we see and feel and touch and taste is what real, re- reality is. There's a kingdom that God is setting up on the earth. It's here, it's at hand, it's right in front of us. Jesus already gave us everything we need to establish the parameters of it, but we're waiting to see it with our eyes. We're no better than the early church, the disciples, before Jesus told them, hey, stop looking for an earthly kingdom. Start trusting me. If we compare spiritual warfare to what it is like to serve in the armed forces. I mean, imagine a member of our armed forces when the general comes in and says, hey guys, we've been called up, we're going to Kuwait. Well, I don't don't wanna go to Kuwait. I mean, how's that gonna help me? It doesn't do anything, I mean, that's not gonna affect my family. I'm I'm not going to Kuwait. Uh, You don't get to do that when you enlist, because when you enlist, you say, you know what? I'm not my own anymore. I belong to the US government. That's exactly what you say. And so if you tell them you're not gonna do it, Da-da-da-da-da, that's not a choice. Here's your weapon. Well, I prefer not to use that weapon. Could you get me a different weapon? Could you imagine anyone doing this in the armed forces? We do this in the church. Well, Lord, I, I don't see how that's a benefit to me. I don't, I, don't, I don't use the weapon of praise and lifting my hands. That's just not my, my, my makeup. It's not my nature. I, I prefer to use this weapon over here. Well great, but here's the thing the Bible says use all God's weapons. And it's not you're not you're a lesser Christian because you don't use all the weapons. No, you're not getting all the victory. I mean there are weapons in in your basket right there, and you're not using them. And you've got things in your life that you want to see happen. Use those weapons. Put them into practice. Now, you don't become a marksman and you don't pick up a weapon the first time and just start firing away and all bullseyes. So some of you, when you start worshiping, this is like all you're doing. And there ain't nothing wrong with that because some of you, it's just opening your mouth and saying something. But when you start understanding that I'm just, it's it's an act of my will, I'm going to praise. Because the Bible says shout. It says clap. It says lift your hands. It says dance oh, brother, it says dance. I pray that someday we get free enough to get that. The man after God's own heart danced before the Lord with all his might because he no longer cared what anybody thought of him. He was just so enamored with the presence of God coming back to Jerusalem. Because this is what it means to be Israel. There's power in corporate worship. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back. See, worship may begin here on Sunday, but it doesn't end here. Worship doesn't satisfy our hunger for God. It wets our appetite for God. Worship here ought to spill out over into every area of our lives. Worship for us permeates every part of us I challenge you again to stay away from the idea that you know every time the doors are open I'm there but my desire is that we wouldn't go to that other extreme either and that we would understand the value of coming together in worship more than we do that every excuse for not being here would no longer keep us from being here That maybe we would just come to understand the value of corporate worship to the point where I fight to get here. I fight to get here on time. I fight to worship when I don't feel like it. I fight because not only is my victory on the line, but the victory of maybe somebody else in this room is on the line. The victory of somebody in my neighborhood is on the line. And so I'm gonna do my part. I've enlisted. I mean, I've said to God, God, everything you desire, I'm gonna do it. And he says, you know what? Praise me. Lift your hands, praise me, shout my praise, declare my praise, say it, do it, battle, fight, pray, fast, study. God, I'm yours, I'm yours. So we're either gonna sing I surrender some or I surrender all. That's the question. There's a scripture verse that my daughter had to memorize last night. It says this. Yeah, she had to memorize it for Sunday school today and as good parents, we... Texted the Sunday school teacher last night and said, uh, we don't have our paper. What's the Sunday school verse? <laughs> Listen, Luke 5:17. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Wasn't it always? No. In Nazareth, he couldn't do many miracles. Why? They didn't believe in him. Don't think for a second that the atmosphere we create with our attitudes and our actions have no bearing on what happens here. It's not emotionalism. But if, if Jesus himself on earth could not perform miracles in Nazareth because all they wanted to do was just come and watch, they didn't believe in him, how much more does it matter what we do when we come here? that makes sense? So the little children will lead us. Let's stand together. We're gonna to close service today with a song. We sang it earlier in the service. It's a simple song, I will bless the Lord at all times. He's my deliverer, he's my shield, he's my strength. It's just the declaration of who he is. And I'm gonna pray, and if you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. If you wanna spend time and worship with us, we invite you to do that. These altars are open, you wanna pray, you wanna stand up here, you wanna do, you wanna dance, the aisles are open. And so Father, I thank you again that you love us enough not to leave us in our mess. You love us enough to discipline us, to correct us, to show us how we've been wrong in the past. So Father, I pray in this area of worship, of corporate worship, of praise, God, that you would open our eyes to the arsenal that you have put at our disposal. God, I know that there are so many weapons. This is one weapon. And we want our eyes to be open to all of them. But we don't wanna be overwhelmed either. So God, take this weapon and make it a reality in our lives. Help us tomorrow at work, when there's confusion, when there's frustration, to just begin to lift our voice and praise you. When our kids are rebelling, there's chaos, we're fighting with our spouse, help us to lift our voices to you and declare that you are our provider. Because God, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We know that now. Our war is with principalities and powers. And God, we want to empower our guy to win. And so we declare today that you are God, that you are our savior, that you are our shield. And we choose today to bless you at all times.
1: Bless the Lord forever I will trust, trust in that my my He has delivered me From all fear He has set my feet I'm going
0: God, you are faithful to us when we are unfaithful to you. You are the brother, firstborn brother of our family. God, you are our conquering king. I pray, Lord, that this this praise in our hearts would permeate every part of our lives. God, that it would transform our thoughts, that it would transform our lives, that it would transform our homes, that it would transform our relationships, that it would break the bondages. You have delivered us from all fear. You have set our feet on a rock. So God, no matter what's going on around us, we trust you at all times. And as we walk on these waves, we will bless you forever. That's what it means to be Israel, and to be your people. Make it the hallmark of our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay as long as you'd like if you need to go. Feel free to be dismissed.